My name is Dave Paul, and I play the violin. I am from Calgary, Alberta, in Canada. I am a professor in the music department. Uh, I teach music history and music theory. Well, a long time ago, my little sister, who's about two and a half years younger than me, decided that she wanted to take violin lessons. And not willing to be outdone by her, I decided I would do violin lessons as well. And so I took Suzuki and did the whole uh, Suzuki program for five or six years before continuing on sort of separate from Suzuki. I started playing music in church pretty much from the beginning. We went to uh, an evangelical Baptist church when I was growing up, and it had a pretty lively music program. In fact, many of the folks that came through that have ended up in careers in music in various capacities. So um, there were a bunch of us in the sort of, uh, I guess, 7 to 10 age group starting strings um, what, roughly when I did. And so we formed a little impromptu orchestra, and we'd play along with the hymns. Um, and this would have been sort of early 80s. That was right around the time that um, worship music was really taking off. And I remember there was sort of a transition in the evening service to guitars at first, and then guitars and bass, and then guitars, bass, and drums, and then full-on electrics and everything. And um, that was something that I ended up participating in, not as violence, but ultimately as a guitarist when I got a little bit older um, and got more interested in, in rock music. But... Um, the church had a lot going on, both in terms of worship music uh, in you know, standard sort of vineyard style, but then also with us, uh, the kids playing quasi-classical stuff along with the hymns. By the time I was in high school, I was playing both guitar and violin. I started guitar when I was in, I think, grade 9 or, no, maybe it was grade 10. My parents bought me a guitar. I was never very good at guitar because um, I didn't have the... Um, the, the practice time that I probably needed to do. I just got too bored doing it. Uh, but I love playing with bands, and so I'd often switch between violin and uh, uh, guitar, depending. The electric guitar was a rebellion against classical music, which I'd been brought up. My parents did not like popular music, and it was mainly because they didn't understand popular music. They didn't make an effort to understand it. Um, they're more enlightened now, but at that time they were pretty much all classical all the time. So rock and roll was way out, and I should say that there again, my sister led the way. She was the one who was brave enough to start listening to rock in the house, and uh, I sort of followed suit, but I kind of plunged into the heavier stuff, so I became a full-on kind of metal kid in the 80s. So my main musical influences were probably the bands that were big at that time, so bands like Iron Maiden, Metallica, but I also liked the cheesy stuff. I liked all the hair metal coming out of LA. I liked Poison, I liked Warrant. Uh, all that sort of stuff. But I also liked, when I got into guitar, some of the guitarists who'd been influenced by classical music. So Inve Malmsteen was big at the time. Richie Blackmore had played with um, uh, Deep Purple for a while, and I think he went into Rain Rainbow after that. I can't quite remember now. But at any rate, he had a sort of a classical background. Eddie Van Halen, of course, had that as well. And so that was kind of my way to segueing into the guitar world, seeing all these guys who were taking classical stuff and trying to apply it in a rock and roll world. That lasted for all of about two years until grunge came along and destroyed it. But that was a thing at the time. So, um, so I think, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. I went into college and I did a physics degree. And the thing about a physics degree is it's awfully time-consuming. And I got into my second year and got so busy that I couldn't play anymore. There just wasn't time to practice, regardless of whether it was violin or guitar. 
And I did that, I think, for about a year and then got really, really um, kind of bummed out by the fact that I couldn't play music. It was happening to play during the summer at the Stampede in Calgary, which is this big rodeo. I was playing country music because that's what everybody does in Calgary during the summer. And uh, I just started playing other stuff on the side and remembered how much I liked doing it. And so I started taking music courses alongside the physics ones. And gradually, as I went through my degree, those became to dominate my my schedule. So after I finished the undergraduate and degree in physics, much to my parents' concern, I decided I would go do uh, a composition degree. So I did a composition degree in Vancouver at UBC, and that uh, was another sort of um, process of discovery, because I realized by about the time I got to my second year that the kind of music that was fostered in the context of the university, and still is to some extent these days, uh, now 15, 20 years on, is not really the kind of music I was interested in writing. It wasn't music that was designed to reach large numbers of people. It's not even trained classical musicians. It was really for a kind of elite coterie, and I didn't want to write music like that. And I was curious about why it was that uh, we'd gotten to this point. Why was it that people that were trained to write classical music were writing for such a small um, group of people. And the answer to that is a historical answer. And so that's what led me ultimately to being a music historian, which is what I then went on to pursue as a graduate student. I did a degree or an MA and then a PhD in, um, in musicology. And uh, that's now my profession, I guess, during the day. <laughs> oh, influences now. That's uh, who are my influences now? That's uh, the people. The people that I listen to are, are varied. Um, there was a while where I was very into bluegrass, and particularly kind of the progressive bluegrass, the newgrass spectrum of things. sort of bluegrass Americana thing has persisted to some extent. I'm now more interested in bands that are influenced by that world, but that are not sort of steeped in it or tied to its traditions and bound by its sound, which a lot of bluegrass bands are. Um, so there is still that world of Americana, and it's a, you know, it's a huge world. It includes everybody from Chris Thiele, of course, to Alison Krauss, um, uh, all kinds of artists who do things that mine various American musical traditions. And so I, I love that musical world. Um, but I also still like cheesy metal, and um, that stuff also continues to live, although not so much in the United States anymore. It's sort of migrated to Scandinavian countries and South American countries, and there's some labels out there that still um, issue stuff that sounds very much like the late 80s. And also, I'll listen to that as well, because I like screaming choruses. When I got the job at UCSB, uh, my wife and I decided maybe we should check out um, some churches and, and see what's going on. I had I had an evangelical background, as I mentioned, um, but I had kind of fallen away from the church. I was not particularly interested in its, um, particularly in the evangelical world, in its its sort of conservative approach to everything and its doctrinaire uh, reading of, of of the Bible. But I had sort of spiritual-ish leanings, shall we say, and that's always been a part of 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 who I am. My parents had started going to a um, Anglican church in Canada, so that sort of um, opened my eyes to the inclusivity of that tradition in some of its manifestations. And so when we got here, I thought, well, maybe we'll try out an Episcopalian church. And also part of the appeal was uh, that um, 
I would go to a service on Sunday, and what I'd be hearing in terms of the, the regular the readings and all that would be the same thing that my folks were hearing you know, hundreds of miles away. And there's some solace in that. There's a sense of community that spans, well, really the globe. And uh, I could be sitting in a church in Vancouver or a church in Calgary or a church in um, the Bay Area where I went to school or here in Santa Barbara, and there would be that point of connection. And so there was a resonance there. And, and so that's, we started going to Trinity. Um, Trinity turned out not to be our bag. It was full of families at the time, and we were just, you know, two single. Uh, well, we were married, but we were, you know, younger, uh, dual income, no kids types. And uh, my uh, colleague of mine, Tim Cooley, was going to St. Mike's at the time, and he said, hey, why don't you come? So we came, and uh, we, I think much of my social circle now is largely owed to that decision to come to St. Mike's, because we met a couple of friends John and Allie, who have been, well, Allie had been going here for a while. She met John here, married him, and they started coming. But much of our social circle was built off the connection with them. Uh, and many of our friends, I can sort of trace back to that decision to come to St. Mike's, even though most of the people in that circle don't go to St. Mike's. It's, again, this idea of a larger network. Um, so that was, yeah, around about 2000, 2008. We faded out a little bit when our kids were born, um, and then we started again shortly after Scott arrived. Uh, I have two kids. Um, I have Dylan, who's six, and Eleanor, who's four. And uh, I'm not sure either of them will pursue, but go after music. We'll see. I'm going to make them take lessons of some kind until they're old enough to make the decision whether they like it or not. <laughs> Being a parent at St. Mike's, um, well, this is the irony. of uh, Originally, we left Trinity because it was too full of young families. Now, St. Mike's has become a place that's really hospitable to families. Uh, ever since Dylan has been born, um, six years ago, there's always been a great deal of happiness in the congregation when we, when we brought him, and people were not at all concerned about the noises he might make uh, or whatever. Uh, so there was an openness on that front, and it's turned out that in the last um, six years, more families have joined. Our friends John and Allie had their own kids. We had another one. Uh, of course, Scott arrived with his kids, and it's become a place where the kids can be free to be kids, um, which means they can run around outside, they can come inside, they have to be a little quieter here, but they can get into the music, and oftentimes we do have one or two come up while we're playing. And I think that what's nice about it is they get a chance to see kind of what church is about in an atmosphere where they're not um, being controlled uh, and told that you must be a certain way. They're also seeing what it's like for someone to be in a music context to play, uh, they're seeing, hearing a variety of styles because a lot of the people that we have playing the band also play other styles of music as well. And that has been one of the great things. Actually, I've really enjoyed playing with students here uh, because a number of the people in the band were my students at one time or another. And uh, it's nice for me to see that part of their lives, which I don't usually see. I, I'm marking their homework or lecturing them about something or other. Um, and I think it's probably nice for them as well to see that I can actually play an instrument, and I'm not just a guy talking at the front. My favorite part of playing in the band at St. Mike's is that it's low pressure. And because it's low pressure, it means you can kind of try things out. So the style I play now as a violinist really has very little to do with the style I grew up playing. And I've always had a pretty good ear. So moving to a context where you're not looking at notes but playing off lead sheets and things wasn't that much of a stretch, and I had done a little bit of it before. 
but it has given me a motivation to sort of explore how I can use the violin in a different way. Um, I did do a little bit of fiddling uh, because of the context of where I came from, but I've been able to explore that more and listen to other kinds of styles of, of violin playing and incorporate those to some extent here and just generally develop a better ear um, and think a little bit about how arrangement works in the context of, of a rock band. I, mean, I know a lot about how you orchestrate a piece because of having done courses in that, but um, thinking about how you do that in a, in a con more free-flowing context where people don't have notes, they just have chords and, and lyrics and just working from there and building something and putting it together quickly too, which is, which is really exciting. So, so those, those are sort of my favorite things. My, I mean, the best thing of all is when you, it's like any performance situation, there sometimes happens when you're playing where you get a lead break or something like that and you know you're, gonna, it, you're, you're soaring over top of it. And that's, you know, that's a good feeling wherever. But there's a lot of opportunity for that to happen at St. Mike's um, because we each get a chance to sort of step forward to the mic, as it were, and, and, and do our thing. And um, with the folks in the congregation appreciating whatever we offer.